And we're back. Episode 78. Folks, I want you to pull up a chair. If you're driving, pull off the side of the road because I'm going to put my arm around you and we're going to have a chat. You and I are going to have a, a an, an, an intimate chat here. Just chop it up like old folks. That's what we're going to do. It's the holiday season. I want to talk about a few things. A few things have been on my mind recently. And now that I'm having a solo episode this month, I can bring those to light. So, as I said, it's the holiday season and COVID cases are rising rapidly. All right. It's that annual time of the year when they show Los Angeles on the television and they show uh, one of the highways or the freeways or whatever they call it out there. Um, and, and one way you see all red and the other way you see all white. And that means it's cars, headlights and taillights because the traffic out there is horrendous. You know what I'm talking about. And every time I see that picture where the road is just full of red and white, it makes me question why anyone would want to live out there. I have no desire to be a West Coast guy. The only the only positive thing I see out of living on the West Coast is I'm a huge college football fan. You're telling me I wake up regular time and college football just starts and then I can watch the West Coast game at nighttime and still have time to do activities after the game is over for like a couple hours. That sounds great. I do miss college game day. That's my Saturday tradition. I wake up and watch college game day on Saturday. That won't be a thing. I understand that. Uh, I can't watch any sort of British soccer league because I have to wake, wake up sometimes really early to watch them on the East Coast. You live on the West Coast. You might as well just stay up through the night and watch it at four in the morning. It's the only way you're going to be able to watch it. Fact of the matter. And California is going through a whole heap and mess right now because apparently the governor was seen eating without a mask on or indoors or outdoors, something like that. I know New Jersey's was. I did see yesterday where New Jersey's governor uh, did that. And I don't like that. That's hypocritical. Listen, me, if I were in a position of power, I would be I would be one of these states governors. That's like, hey, mask, do it. Bang. There it is. Bingo, bango. Wear the mask. And then you see me out in public. And guess what? I have the mask on. That would be me. It's bananas to me how dumb politicians are. And I guess their team in general. That no one is like, hey, you know what would be really bad optics? If you went out and ate without a mask on. And you're clamoring for a mask mandate. That's bad optics. If you're out there without a mask on. Do they not run this by anybody? I don't think they do, because really, it's a layup, and I think politics in general is a layup. It's really not that hard. Yeah, you could break it down, statistical analysis and demographics of, oh my gosh, we have to get this amount of votes in this place to hang on to get this amount of votes in this place, and our ads have to be here and there and everywhere, and we have to make sure we talk about this talking point and slander the opponent on that talking point. I get that game. I get that. All I'm saying is how like the greater interest of the people and good optics. I mean, that's it. That is how you become an elected official. I could run a campaign easily. I don't know what my I don't know what my talking points would be. I gotta figure that out. I don't know a lot about foreign policy. That's a weak suit, in my opinion, for me, for my campaign. Domestically speaking. I'm a uniter. I think people I think people would rally around me. 
is what would happen. I think what uh, Reagan in the 80s had like a 70% approval rating and won the re-election in a landslide or something like that. That would be me. That would be me. Uh, I'm not saying Ronald Reagan and I agree on everything, but I'm just saying my approval rating would be sky high. I mean, yeah, I, I get hateful comments on the internet. That doesn't bother me. People that actually talk to me and actually know me as a person, this is the most <laughs> braggadocious thing I've ever said in my life. People love me. People love me. I had a soccer coach one time and hard, hard old coach, hard old coach. He was a D1 soccer player and his soccer career had just ended. So he's like, okay, I'm going to coach 16, 17, 18 year old boys. Great. So he still brought that same, I'm a D1 player mentality to coaching us. Sometimes got out there and played. Scary stuff, folks. He was a, he was a hardo. He was a hardo. I was my favorite coach of all time. I can I reveal his name, Kyle West. If you're listen, if you somehow listen to this, Kyle, you're the man. Thank you for believing in me. But I'll never forget. He told me this one time. I was having an excellent practice. Literally every ball I whipped into the back post on a platter. We scored like eight goals in a in a practice match. Just because of me, like they play the ball out wide to me. I have it on the wing, couple touches, whip it in. Goalkeeper doesn't come out for some reason. We score on peanut butter and jelly. Bang, 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 bang. He comes up to me after practice and he goes, Franklin, I just can't stay mad at you, bud. I'm 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 lovable. You can't hate me. I'm taking this same thing to the White House. We're gonna go back to Washington, DC and take back the White House. <laughs> All I'm saying is these politicians making these decisions and they're afraid to use the term shut down again. That's a term, it's a scary term to a lot of people. It has a lot of different meanings. Shut down. I watch the Ohio press conferences cuz where I live in the United States, I could throw a rock and hit Ohio. Their governor refuses to use the term shut down. Think of every synonym for the term shut down and they've used it. They have used every single synonym, synonym other than shut down. They don't want to scare the people. That's a good move. You don't want to scare the people because people have this impending fear of shut down, economic collapse, 2008, we're all going in the toilet, we're blaming it on immigrants and poor people, even though it's the rich people stealing everyone's money, and then whenever they gamble on it and lose, they just get bailed out by the federal government. We know the game. We know the game. Okay? They don't want to use the term shut down down. In California, going back to the red and white headlights and taillights that I see on the highway, apparently they're shutting down because according to Matt Leinart, for those that don't know, Matt Leinart, lefty quarterback, Heisman winning, national championship winning, USC made a documentary about his time at USC, Trojan War, Trojan Horse, I don't know. It's really good. I loved him at USC. USC was so much fun to watch when I was a kid. They had Reggie Bush, Pete Carroll, the Silver Fox, Lendell White. I'm just naming names. And they had uh, they were a good team, lost the national championship to Texas. Vince Young ran all over them. Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right. And he apparently is a talking head for sports television now. And he tweeted, he said, LA just closed all indoor and outdoor. He's in all caps. Indoor, outdoor for three weeks. Talking about dining. Indoor, outdoor dining for three weeks. Can't wait to move out of this awful place. Ridiculous. That's what he said. And I quoted him and I said, Matt, Bubby, I'm sorry you can't go inside to get in and out for three weeks. I'm sure the thousands dead in L.A. County are sending their condolences from the afterlife. Ridiculous. 
I did not know he was talking about the fact that the California governor was eating indoors. I didn't know that. Okay. The point, his point makes sense as far as the hypocrisy. I did not know that. That's on me. My point still stands. It's three weeks. You'll be fine. You make good money. You will be fine. Okay? And the talking point now for a lot of people is small businesses. That's the talking point now. They move the goalpost from it's infringing on my rights as an American to wear a piece of fabric. That has been pushed. The goalpost has been pushed to uh, we're going to end up in socialism. That's a big talking point. That goalpost has been pushed to now. Well, small businesses. There's no winning. I mean, there's no winning when talking to anybody who believes, who doesn't believe in the in, in this and believes it's some sort of hoax. Okay, there's no, there's no convincing them at this point. And I think I think that's a big part of the country in general, on both sides of any issue. People are very set in their ways, and there's no convincing them, uh, and there's no ability to have a conversation with them. And I think we need to open up a dialogue, and I think we could uh, get a lot more done than we think we could. So people are convinced and set in their ways when it comes to the virus and they just keep moving the goalpost on what issue they have uh, they take up in arms. So right now it's well small businesses. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. Um be mad at the the federal government for not helping small businesses more. They bail out these corporations that play with our money and lose. I used to be a gambler. I'm not a gambler. I would gamble substantial amounts of money if I knew that when I lost, my bookie would just be like, you know what? You're a good guy. Here's a couple grand. I'd have been, I'd, I'd probably be rich. I'd be rich right now, you know? But I didn't have that luxury. A lot of small businesses don't have that luxury. And maybe they got some aid, you know, maybe they got some aid. But clearly it's not enough. All right? Clearly it's not enough. And, you know, I'm just I'm just upset at the big corporation for getting bailed out all the time. I understand you need big corporations to make the, the capitalistic world go around. I understand that. I understand that. I'm just saying stick up for the little guy once in a while, huh? How about it? Joe Sixpack, as they used to say back in like, who was that? Uh, that was that was Sarah Palin's talking point, right? Joe Sixpack, right? I'm just screaming at the corner of my wall right now. <laughs> but. The point still stands. Be mad at the federal government for not bailing out the little guy. If that's if that's your talking point now, is you 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 wish or, or you think that the small businesses are going to fail and it's going to cause an absolute economic collapse, then be mad at the federal government for not helping out the little guy. That's it. That's that's really it. I don't know, man. California is just a weird weird state to be in right now. A lot of people are leaving. A lot of people are fleeing cities in general, and I get that. I don't think I would want to be in a big city right now. I'm very, I never thought I'd consider myself lucky and fortunate to be where I'm at right now, even though COVID cases are rising here as well as everywhere. It's just like my own little hideout. This is my own mental rehab. I'm here to find myself again. So far, I think it's worked. I've been back close to a year by now. Gosh, can't believe that. Um, And it had me thinking, you know, I've been back close to a year. And so what I did the other night um, I'm revealing to you, it's very, it's very intimate details about me. So I have this thing, and I think a lot of us have this thing. A lot of us just don't admit it, that we have nostalgia for times that we didn't live in one. And we wish we could experience things that our heroes and, uh, and, uh, and people we admire got to experience. 
but we'll never have that luxury and we need to get over that myself included i mean i I can't sit up thinking all night like man what if i got to be a college student in 1988 what if i got to be uh, a a movie guy in the 2000s back when they were just making stupid amounts of money in the in the early 2000s because i'd come home i'd come home and i'd watch what were the shows we watched as kids think about it we would watch MTV Cribs, where we got to peek inside the lives of celebrities and see their luxurious lives. Um, I don't know. My sister used to watch this thing where they showed like all these homes of celebrities. They just show them a lot of home, a lot of celebrity real estate. You know, uh, this is pre two thousand eight. Obviously, everybody downsized after that. But uh, I'd also go into my room and I put Ten Fall on my rabbit ear uh, television, and I would watch TMZ. I'd watch TMZ. I literally watch a show about celebrities living everyday lives. But to me, they were gods. I didn't idolize them. But th- I thought that life was the moon to me. It still is the moon to me. But it's just, I, it's like, I have, like, I wish I could experience things that they experience. And I wish I could see things through, through their uh, lens. Somebody said rose-colored glasses. And I wish I knew what that term meant because that's a beautiful term. It's a beautiful term. But I I don't know. I don't want to use it incorrectly. Rose-colored glasses. Peeking at, the, at, the, at times that we didn't live in. And so what I did uh, the other day, and nostalgia. Nostalgia is a drug that no one really talks about. You get caught up in the thoughts in your mind where you're like, Oh gosh, it was so much better then. We block out all these things, and I went on Google Maps. I went to some old spots. I went to Allentown, Pennsylvania, where I lived last year. I drove around, you know, work, baseball field, this, that places. You know, like I, I just like literally typed in my address in the parking lot, sat there, and just stared at the swimming pool I used to sit at all day. I stared at my bedroom window. And I just think had memories flooding back. I drove to my office, memories flooding back. And it's just a drug that, that it's addicting. Nostalgia, you just think about these times and it's just like, oh man, things were so much better then. And at the time you're like, uh, back then you're thinking like, oh my gosh, I have to do this, this, and this. And then looking back on it, you're like, wow, it was so much better when I had to worry about this, this, and this. It's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. But man, it, it's just, you know, I wish I could time travel and go back to... It's not even necessarily the actions that I did. Not even necessarily driving with the windows down, you know, listening to some good music on my way home from work. I got a three-day weekend coming up. I'm feeling good. It's it's dog days of summer. It's hot, you know? Not even necessarily doing that again, time travel-wise, but but feeling that. Because that felt good, you know? Uh, you just you just had a little pep in your step. You felt good walking out of the office. Got out of there a little bit quicker. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's just that's just something that's been on my mind. And and then it doesn't help that like I also put Springsteen on Broadway on, and that just straight up broke me when he's singing uh this song "Growing Up" and he's just growing up. Oh my gosh, that'll break you, Springsteen on Broadway. Uh, it, it's. I don't know, man. Springsteen's a good storyteller, and I think he just wanted to he wanted to share with us like the stuff that he saw. And he he even said it himself. He's like, I've never had a nine to five job. I never really like I just made it all up. These are stories that I saw. 
it's really sad, man. It, it broke me. He's talking about his parents. And and it just got me thinking, like, I want to share something with you. Maybe this hasn't been the funniest episode in history, but, you know, I, I really just want to share this with you today. Uh, the other night, I sat and I wrote a poem. I very rarely write poems because I, I don't really like poetry that much. It's just, I, I, I just, I just don't, you know? And I wrote a poem. It's titled, No One Knows Me, asterisk, parentheses, yes, they do. I thought that was funny. And it's not, it's not a funny poem. It's a serious poem. It's a serious poem about, um, um, I, I guess I can break it down after I read it. Okay, so here is the first ever live reading of No One Knows Me, Yes, They Do by Franklin Miller. No one knows me like my pen and paper. No one knows me like the thoughts I meet later. I know you, they say to me. I know the you they cannot see. Moments like these are the ones I remember. The moments that find me on cold nights in November. The scariest question, what if I'm right? Because it sure gets dark when searching for the light. No one's asking me to fight through the fodder, but no explorer ever succeeded by fearing taking on water. Woof. What a poem, folks. I could sell that and be a millionaire. No one knows me like my pen and paper. I've written down more deep, dark, scary thoughts than you could ever imagine on pen and paper. And no one knows me like the thoughts I meet later. I will stay up till three in the morning thinking about scenarios I never even lived in or never will live in. But if I get to the scenarios that I conjure up in my mind, and I've done it before, when I get there, it kind of puts my mind at ease. Because, because my thoughts and my mind, it's just, I know you. I've seen you before. It'll be all right. I know you. That's what my thoughts say to me. Hey, I know you're freaked out, but I know you. I relax. I know the real you. I know the you they cannot see. The moments that find me on cold nights in December, these are the moments I do remember, whatever that line was. It gets dark and scary sometimes, man. You have to use other outlets to get your voice heard. You know, moments like these are the ones I remember. Some of my most fond memories in life are whenever I write something really good and it's like three pages. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is some beautiful soliloquy. Not even about life. It could be something about walking in the grocery store. And I'm like, how do I think about that? Those are the ones I remember. The ones that make you feel good, you know? Cold nights in November. That's just because it's November. Scariest question, what if I'm right? All these anxieties and fears in my head. In my head. What if I'm right? You know? What if I'm when I'm having a panic attack? What if I really am dying? What if I'm right? What if I really do die in a plane crash? It's a weird fear. I have. But it's rational. You know? What if I get pushed in front of a subway? Oof. You know? What if what if uh you know, what if there's an accident and, and both my parents gone instantly? I don't know why this somehow comes to my head sometimes, but it does. What if I'm right? What if these things happen? And, and, 
it sure gets dark when searching for the light. I'm searching for the truth. I'm on a never-ending quest for for all information. I will never stop learning. That's one thing I think you can take a page out of my playbook. I will never stop learning. I'm on this never-ending quest, the search for everything, where I have to know anything. If I get in a slight inclination of something, I need I, I will stay up and Google everything about it, every speck, every detail I need to know about it. If it suits my interests. It sure gets dark when searching for the light. I'm searching for the truth. I'd like to know the truth and everything. I hate lies. I hate deceitfulness. I don't like that. I think I think I think lying is cowardice. Even if it hurts to tell the truth, I think it's a much better option to tell the truth. You know, plead guilty. Just do it. Take the deal. I'm not going to talk about the American prison system, but <laughs> no one's asking me to fight through the fodder. Again, this is advice given to me when I was 20 years old, maybe, and I was just starting to write comedy. I was 20 years old, and I was lucky enough to talk to some really good comics. They took time out of the day to talk to me. I'm not going to reveal any names. No need. But they're like, no one's asking you to do this. You have to do it because you want to do it. No one is begging on hands and knees. Oh, my God, Franklin, please give us another episode. Please write something humorous down. Please give us another intriguing thought. No one is begging me to do this. Again, I could stop the podcast right now. I could cut it off, not send it out, and nobody would care. They would ask me. My friends would ask me, hey, how come you haven't done it in a couple weeks? I'm not feeling it. A month goes by. Man, that podcast was good. Yeah. You know? No one's asking me to do this. No one is begging me to do this. So I have to do it for myself. No one's asking me to do this. No explorer ever succeeded by fearing taking on water. I just wanted to write something nautical. Because I think explorers on ships and their quests are admirable. Admirable. Admiral ship come on guys it's easy but uh i i don't know man it's uh you know no no explorer was ever on the shoreline in their boat about to set sail and said ho 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 i think there might be a storm front coming i think we should hold off for a couple weeks i don't know no successful voyage that you ever hear of was ever stopped uh before it even got off the ground nobody ever nobody ever had a fear uh, Lewis and Clark did not fear climbing the mountain. They were like, well, there's another mountain. We've got to go climb it again. They did not fear these things. The wilderness is scary. The rocks are scary. The ocean is terrifying. But you have to do it. No one's asking you. No one is begging you. But what could be on the other side of the globe? Unimaginable. So that's why I do it. <laughs> 